Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. As disciples of Jesus Christ, the greatest resource we have been given is that of time. Every one of us has been given a finite amount of time that we have to use in this life. How much of your time are you using in the cause of Jesus Christ? How much time do you spend with Jesus throughout your day? Let's open our Bible now and learn how we can more effectively use our time in the advancement of the kingdom of God, the gospel of God, and the Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Friday morning here in Texas and uh, hopefully y'all loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus and uh, growing to be a, uh, a better disciple of Jesus Christ, growing to be, you know, a more intentional disciple of Jesus Christ. We are in, uh, I believe this is now going to be uh, teaching 11 in the series a disciple of Jesus Christ. I was talking to a new brother of mine yesterday. Uh, you know, he's a uh, he's he's eighty six years old. He's a man of God. His his name is John, but he goes by Bud, and uh, I mean, he's a teacher of the Word of God. And uh, it was the first time I talked to him. Um, uh, spiritual father of mine, you know, uh, named Rick, just introduced me to him. Um, and man, him and I were just having a good conversation about just, you know, being a disciple and, and, and about uh, just, you know, just just growing as disciples of Jesus and applying the word of God to our hearts. And uh, man, it was just it was just refreshing and just discussing these things and uh, the difference between a Christian and a disciple. And this whole series uh, is a is a curriculum, so to speak, of how to be a disciple of Jesus Christ on what is a disciple and you know how to grow and mature as a disciple of Jesus Christ and it's a it's a lifelong process and it is undoubtedly the the greatest privilege of our lives that as Christians we get to be growing disciples of Jesus Christ our Lord growing followers growing apprentices um, that we get to, 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 to use our lives in a way where we, we are becoming more and more and more like Jesus in every aspect of our lives, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, and relationally. In every aspect or sphere of our life, we wanna more and more be transformed into the image of Christ, conformed, to the image of Christ, right? I believe that's Romans 8, 29. Um, in everything, which is to say in everything, we want to more and more think like Jesus, speak like Jesus, and live like Jesus. Now, in addition to that, we want to have a lifestyle of repentance. Now that we can't do like Jesus because Jesus was perfect as the God man, and he is perfect. So we can't repent like Jesus because Jesus never repented. But as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, an important aspect of our life, as we just finished the last two teachings, is having a growing lifestyle and walking in what, uh, in what we've termed the joy of, of repentance, of biblical repentance. So 
Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. We thank you, Father, that, that you have saved us. We thank you, Father, for sending Jesus, Father. We thank you that we get to be disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and just what an amazing privilege and joy it is, Father. But Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for entering this world on our behalf and living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death that we should have died. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus. And we worship you. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we, we ask you now to, to open the word of God to our hearts. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. So again, I, like I said, I think today is going to be teaching 11 um, and the next at least three teachings um, are going to be on a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I don't know what the title will be, but the teachings are going to be on how we use our time, our talents and our treasure or, or our money. OK, um, it, it'll involve, you know, how just how we're living our lives, how we're using the time the Lord has given us, how we're using the gifts and talents the Lord has given us, how we're serving the body of Christ um, with the gifts and talents the Lord has given us, the time he's given us, and the treasure or the money he's given us. Uh, these are absolute essentials in the life of a, uh, of, of a disciple of Jesus Christ. There can be no, quote, curriculum for discipleship without a biblical understanding, a biblical conviction of how we're using our time, our gifts and talents, the things the Lord has gifted us to do, um, and our money as a disciple of Jesus Christ and as we as we make disciples, right? Remember, the whole series, you know, begins on the Great Commission. What we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. Right? We've continually referenced this verse, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Again, Jesus is the boss of everything, not only on earth, but in heaven. 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Again, he didn't say go and make churches, although church is a good thing. Um, and he didn't say go and make Christians, but we have to be a Christian we have to have received Christ as our Lord and Savior before we can be his disciple, right? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And we did a teaching on the three baptisms, right? Um, the, the spiritual baptism that happens when we become believers of Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit baptizes us or immerses us into the body of Christ. That happens at the moment of our conversion. Um, then uh, the water baptism, right, which is an outward symbolic act 
of an of an inward reality, right? When we when we're water baptized, you know, we're immersed in the water. We go down into the water, and when we go into the water, it signifies, you know, that we've been identified with the death of Jesus Christ. When we come up out of the baptismal waters, it signifies that we've been resurrected to a new life in Christ. It's just a, a an incredible, powerful symbolism, and we're commanded to do it. And then there's the the baptism of the Holy Spirit, okay, which is when Jesus immerses us into his Holy Spirit. And we spoke a lot about that. It has nothing to do with our salvation. It has nothing to do with, with being saved or going to heaven or being forgiven for our sin. But we went through the scriptures where this baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowering by the Holy Spirit to, to help us walk out the call of God in our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, and, and we spoke about that. It is by no means some, you know, some instant maturity um, as we spoke about. And so Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. The single most important aspect of a disciple of Jesus Christ is to spend time in the word of God, to spend time in the scriptures, reading, studying the scriptures with a heart to obey the scriptures. The entire Bible is what Jesus has commanded us. So when he says teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, it's the teaching of the word of God from Genesis to revelation. Okay. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If you're in Jesus Christ today, he is with you always. And the more you grow as a disciple of Jesus, Scott, the more you'll experience him, the more you'll, you'll see him, the more you'll have eyes that see and ears that hear, the more we obey Jesus, just, uh, you know, the, the, the more exciting our life will be as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean we're not going to have problems and difficulties. We certainly will. But again, we'll experience Jesus in those. Um, wow. All right. So today, today we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about time and just this concept of time and and how are you and I using our time as disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, we've been given uh, a finite amount of time on this earth, right? Um, and so, you know, how, how much are we using our time in the cause of Christ? How much are you using your waking hours um, when you're awake throughout each day in growing to know Jesus and growing to walk with him? growing to know his love for you and growing to love him and walk with him and obey him, right? Growing to, of course, repent where we fall short, growing to worship him and praise him and thank him. Really the reason, the ultimate reason we've been given time on this earth is for Jesus, right? You remember Colossians chapter one, Right. So I wasn't I wasn't planning here. So I'm going to throw Stephen off again here, but I wasn't planning on using this scripture. But um, let's go to Colossians chapter one. And we're going to read uh, verses 15 to 17, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Colossians one, 
I believe it's 15 to 17. All right. Yes. Colossians 1 verse 15. Speaking of Jesus, it says, Paul says, he is the image of the invisible God, Jesus, the firstborn over all creation. Look at verse 16. For by him, Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. Do you see that? You were not only created by Jesus, you were created for Jesus. Therefore, your and I's time and how we use the time is ultimately for Jesus. Our gifts and talents, the things we're good at, are ultimately to be used for Jesus. And our money, which is really not our money, but his, because everything belongs to him, our time, our talents, and our money are his, right? He owns us. We are his property, okay? We're the property of Jesus Christ. He's bought and paid for us. Jesus owns the whole world, but he's redeemed us who are Christians, those who have received him as, as our savior, those who are walking with him as disciples. He's redeemed us. He's paid for us. He's paid the price for our sin, and, and we are his slaves. We are the property of Jesus Christ. And it says, all things were created by him and for him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him, in Jesus, look at this, all things hold together. Yeah. Wow. And in Jesus, everything is held together. Jesus is the glue, right, um, that, that, that keeps everything together. The, the whole universe would just, would just fall apart particle by particle if Jesus wasn't holding it together. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Golly. So we've been given an amount of time, right? Um, a finite amount of time. I didn't have this scripture in my list either. Um, but look at Ecclesiastes 3. Maybe I did have it in the scripture and I just don't see it here. But no, let's go to Ecclesiastes 3. Verses 1 and 2. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and 2. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. And I'll stop there. Uh, there, there was a time that you were born, and Jesus knew that time, and there's a time you'll die. And he knows that time. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 and 2, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. You hear that? A time to be born and a time to die. So we have a finite amount of time. So we want to begin to look at ourselves and practice introspection, self-examination, and say, how are we using our time? Look at Ecclesiastes 5, verses 16 and 17. Solomon wrote this book, and look what he says here in, in Ecclesiastes 5, 16 and 17. This too is a grievous evil. As a man comes, so he departs. And what does he gain since he toils for the wind? All his days he eats in darkness. 
with great frustration, affliction, and anger. The more we use our time in the cause of Christ, the more purpose, the more meaning, the only purpose, hear this, really the the, the primary purpose, and when it's all said and done, the only purpose for our time will have been Jesus. Let that sink in. Yes, we have our families, we have our spouses, we have our children, we have our parents. At the end of the day, all that's going to matter is Jesus. How did you serve them in Jesus? How did you help them know Jesus? How did you use your time, talents, and energy in, the, in, in helping them walk more intimately with Jesus? Because that's the only way that this doesn't come about. As a man comes, so he departs. And what does he gain since he toils for the wind? The vast majority of us as Christians... Who, who have not become disciples of Jesus Christ. We, we use our time in ways that, that really, that they don't, doesn't gain us a whole lot of anything, Nathan, right? Um, um, Nathan is my son-in-law and you know, he's the one who asked me to do this series. And uh, man, I've just, I've been blessed by it. Um, but, but, you know, when you think of the times, Nathan, and how you're using your time, all right? Are, are you know, the times you're not using the time in your life where you're not bringing Jesus into these situations, where you're not thinking about Jesus. I mean, you know, it, you know, it's just, it's with the wind, right? And, and again, it's, it's, it's okay to watch a movie. It's okay to play a game. Okay. Um, it's okay to watch a football game. Certainly I do these three things, right? Um, but, you know, ultimately that time used is time of, of a refreshing for me or an enjoyment or something I enjoy. Um, but it, it's, it's not the same as the time that I'm using growing to know Jesus, growing to walk with him, growing to love him, growing to obey him, growing to worship, praise, and thank him, growing to repent, and growing to help others know him, right? Look at Proverbs 16.9. Proverbs 16.9. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. So in our heart, we are, we're consistently planning, you know, how we're going to use our time, how we're going to walk out this course of time, Kristen, right? It says, but the Lord determines his steps. We, we shouldn't read that like, you know, no matter what we do, we're just going to walk out and do what the Lord would have us to do. That's not what it's saying. Okay, we, we ought to be looking for the Lord to plan our course and the Lord to determine our steps. Okay, um, you know, we, uh, you know, we, we do have a sovereign God. Jesus is sovereign. Uh, we have a triune God, one being, all right, three individual separate distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you're in Jesus Christ today, if you've received him, if you're trusting in him, relying on him, clinging to him alone, Jesus, for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, deliverance from eternal hell, and to go to heaven when you die, then you actually have relationship. 
God the Father is your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and Master and King. Um, you, you know, your husband, we're the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. God the Holy Spirit is your guide, your counselor, your comforter. In Jesus Christ, you have relationship with each member of the Trinity. But it says in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Um, the more the more deeply and intimately and obediently you walk with Jesus as his disciple, uh, the more you know, the more you'll be looking for him to, to, to plan your course, and the more you'll experience him determining your steps. Look at James 4, 13 and 14. James 4, 13 and 14. Now listen, <clears throat> you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Verse 14, why? You, don't, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Wow. You see, you see our time there? Look at that. Look at that, Lauren. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city, spend a, a year there, carry on business and make money. I mean, again, so we're, we're you know, James is telling them, listen, you're you're speaking about how you're going to use your time. Look at verse 14. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. We don't, okay? Uh, control is an illusion, right? Ultimately, it's Jesus, as we read in Colossians 1, 15 to 17, that's governing everything. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? Look at our time. Look at how finite it is. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, and then I, I should have put verse 15 there. I'm sorry. Um, turn to, to James chapter 4, verse 15. And he's going to explain to you what you should have said, as I'm going to read right now. James 4, 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So again, we want to consistently be saying with regard to all these plans we're making in our hearts, it's the Lord that's going to determine whether we're going to carry out any plans or not ultimately, okay? Um, and so verse 15, James 4, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we, we ought to be consistently speaking and thinking that, you know, we, we plan things, we want to do things that are fun, but if it's the will of Jesus, then we'll do this or that, or we'll spend our time doing this or that. Psalm 90 verse 12 is a big one, y'all, on, on time, on how we're using our time. Look at Psalm 90 verse 12, right? I believe it's written by Moses. <clears throat> and it says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days aright. We only have so many days. We only have so much time. Lord Jesus, we ask you to teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wow. Golly. I'm turning there now to Psalm 90. That's just a... That's a... That's, that's, that's a good one. Golly. Yeah. Wow. Um, 
it is written by Moses. Um, man, you know, you can see here, I have this, uh, my new Bible that, that my, my two daughters, Kristen and Lauren and my son-in-law, Nathan got me on YouTube. I'm holding it up for the camera here and you can see it's highlighted. I've done this whole Psalm already in my new Bible that I got for Christmas. I love this thing. Um, but it says, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So, uh, we, we want to be consistently going before Jesus and asking him to direct our time, to direct our course, to number our days, to use our heart wisely. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The more, we, the more that we really learn how to use the time in our days, right, Kristen? The, the more that we will... Uh, you know, the, the more wise we will become in Christ. Man, golly, man, we got to do a better job at that. All right. John 17, three and four are, are, are interesting. I remember when I was first, first taught this um, um, by, a, uh, by a man named Gerald. He still teaches it, I'm sure. Um, but it's John 17, <clears throat> verses three and four. And this, 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 this really kind of, kind of rocked me when I, when I, when it was explained to me, cause we all, we've all heard, you know, what do you want Jesus to say to you? If you were asked, what do you want Jesus to say to you when you stand before him pop? Well, of course you would say, right, rap, you want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant, right? That's what we, we all desire for Jesus to say to us when we stand before him. But, you know, I remember when, when, when Gerald taught me this and, and, and the question was asked, what do I want to say to Jesus? Man, I'd never thought of that. What do I want to uh, say to Jesus? And then, and then uh, he showed me John 17 verses three and four. And this is what I want. And certainly I've shared this with many others since then. And that was probably 15 years ago. Um, but I want to say to Jesus, John 17, four, that's what I want to say to Jesus, Alicia. So when you ask yourself, what do you want to say to Jesus? You know what you want him to say to you. You want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But look at John 17, three and four. Now this is eternal life. Now remember, eternal life is about time, but it's not only about a quantity of life, which is time, but a quality of life, right? Now this is eternal life, John 17, three, that they may know you the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So here's the meaning of time is to know the only true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This is how we want to use our time, growing to know Jesus better and in as much growing to know our heavenly father better. <clears throat> we don't know Jesus by looking at our heavenly father. We know our heavenly father by looking at Jesus. This is, this is imperative that we know this. How do you get to know the father better? By looking at Jesus. You remember in John 14, um, when Philip says, show us the father and Jesus said, don't you know me, Philip? After being with me this long, don't you know when you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen the father. So in looking at Jesus and studying the life of Jesus and growing to know Jesus, you grow to know your heavenly father and the Holy Spirit is there to assist you in all these things. He's your guide, your, your, your counselor, your helper, your, your God. 
Wow. But now look at John 17, 4. This is what you and I are going to want to say. What Jesus says here to the Father, this is what you're going to want to say to Jesus. This is what I want to say to Jesus. John 17, 4. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. You see that, May? Susan, you see that? I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Isn't that what you want to say to him, Linz? Don't you want to say that to Jesus, Scott? I know I want to say to Jesus what he says to the Father here. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. In the time that we have as disciples on this earth, Jesus has given us work to do. Uh, we're not saved by any of this work, right, Tommy? We don't, we don't go to heaven by doing any of this work, right, bud? Um, but Jesus has given us work to do. We have the common work that, that every disciple of Jesus Christ is called to do in the advancement of the Son of God, the Kingdom of God, the Word of God, and the Gospel of God. All of us are called to live our lives using our time, talents, and money in the advancement of that. And then we have our particular call. And the more we, we walk with Jesus in the common call that all disciples have, the more he'll reveal to us our personal call, right? And so, yes, what I want to say to Jesus, what all of us, Becky, right, want to say to Jesus is what Jesus said to the Father, and that is, Lord Jesus, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. That's how we want to be using our time, Esther, by continuing to do and ultimately getting to a place where we have completed the work he's given us to do. That is what I would like to, to say to him. Wow. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Wow. How are we using our time? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. However you're using your time, again, whenever you're awake, because when you're sleeping, you don't really have control over your faculties, right? You're unconscious. But so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. How do you do it all to the glory of God? By walking with Jesus as a disciple, by growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ, right, Jason? By, by, by consistently thinking what is the heart of Jesus in this situation, Peyton? Wow. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, Corinth. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Obviously, every one of us as Christians and disciples would step back and think, yeah, no, I, this is not something that's really a, uh, I, I'm not really doing this, are we, Stephen? Okay, so whether you eat or drink, Stephen, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God, meaning you, you, you always have the heart of Christ, the will of Christ, and the desires of Jesus on your mind. Lord, I'm sorry. Golly. I, can just, I, I mean, just sitting here thinking how much I do not consider Jesus in my daily life in different things that I'm doing. I'm just enjoying myself. I'm doing my deal. I'm having my wonderful cup of coffee here. And again, I'm not talking about a religious thing here. These are not something we have to do. These are things we get to do. But I, help us, Lord Jesus. John 9, verse 4. Gospel of John 9, verse 4. 
This is what Jesus says here. As long as it is day, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Again, a time is coming when the day of your life will extinguish. And the time, that that opportunity to use the time that the Lord has given you, that Jesus has given you, won't, won't be there anymore. And that's a sobering thought. We all have been given almost so much time. Remember, Ecclesiastes 3, there's a time to be born, and there is a time to die. Wow. John 11, verse 9, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. Verse 10, it is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. I've been speaking a lot about walking in the light in the different disciples, uh, you know, conversations I'm having and, you know, with the disciples. And, uh, and, and I've been talking a lot about light, right, Gabriel? Um, we, wanna, we want to always be putting in more light while we are awake. When we're using our time, we want to be walking in the light. We want to consistently be putting in deposits of light. All of these things that we've set forth as a curriculum to be a disciple, when you're reading, when you're reading your Bible, you're putting in a deposit of light. When you're worshiping Jesus, you're putting in a deposit of light of light. When you're praising your heavenly father, you're putting in a deposit of light. When you're studying the word of God, you're putting in a deposit of light. And it's light that drives out darkness. You don't, you don't stop sinning. You don't grow to be a more holy Christ-like disciple by just trying to not sin. Certainly we want to do that, but it's by the more light you add, the more the darkness will be pushed out. The darkness of, of our of just the darkness of our thoughts and the, you know, the the frustrating, the irritating, the aggravating, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, all the thoughts that we have that are that are dark, our dark words, our dark actions. It's light that drives out darkness. So you want to consistently as a disciple be putting in more and more light, right, Pop? Um, I mean, the first words, the first recorded words in the Holy Scriptures are what? And God said, let there be light. Wow. Right? Those are the first words in your Bible that God says, right? It starts out, look at this, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was empty, was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse 3, Genesis 1, verse 3, and God said. The first recorded words we have of him saying, let there be light. And there was light. The only light we have in this world comes in and through Jesus Christ. John 11, 9 and 10, Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by the day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. Verse 10, it is when he walks by night that he stumbles, for he has no light. Okay? We want to use our time, Rap, consistently putting in more and more deposits of light. When we repent is a massive time that we, we, we open up the doors of our heart and mind for light to pour in. When we, when we simply repent, we open an opportunity for light. That's incredible. Golly, Lord. 
So again, there's a joy of repentance. Of course, we're convicted and grieved over where we've been, or we've been sinful in our thoughts, words, or actions. But when you repent, you open the door and the darkness is driven out. We have an enemy. We have a devil. There are demonic forces that want to keep us at all times in darkness. Okay? Um, but in repentance, when we simply go before the Lord, when we ask forgiveness, when we acknowledge what we've done wrong and we ask him to help us to, to walk aright, we, 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 we open the door and light pours in. Golly, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Look at Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. This is a big verse on time. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Be very careful then how you use your time in a wise way. Verse 16, Ephesians 5, making the most of every opportunity making the most of every opportunity. Do you see that, May? Every opportunity you have is an opportunity of when you're using your time, we can use our time to make the most of opportunities that we have in Jesus Christ. What does that mean, y'all? Making the most of every opportunity, Jesse. So, yeah, that's, that's a massive call <clears throat> of Jesus on how to use our time consistently looking to, to, to whatever opportunity comes up to bring Jesus into it. Obviously in our own lives first, and then in the lives of others. We want to consistently be, be looking to bring Jesus into it, to invite Jesus into it, and to help others <clears throat> see Jesus in their lives. Wow. Be very careful then. How we, we ought to be careful in how we use our time and just candidly, I confess that I'm not, I'm not careful. I, I, I'm not careful. I, <clears throat> I do use my time wisely in many ways, but be very careful then. Um, I believe I'm, I'm somewhat careful on how I live, um, but, but to be very careful, to be extremely studious, right, Sarah? To be, to be studious, Adelaide, on how we're using our time, Ian, right? Be very careful, Benny than how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. There's a heavy word, right? The days are evil. Wow. Just the time that we're in this world, again, we have an enemy. There are spiritual forces of evil <clears throat> that want, to, want, want us to not only waste our time, but to use our time in, manner, in ways that are evil. Help us, Lord Jesus. 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31. This is pretty good. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 7, 29 to 31. 29, 30, and 31. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. Paul speaking. The time is short. We don't have a lot of time. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they have none. Verse 30, those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who are buying something as if it were not theirs to keep. 31, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. So there's the key, right? We ought not be engrossed in our wife or our husband. We ought not be engrossed in our children. This is a massive problem in the church today. 
okay? Um, you know, as disciples of Jesus Christ, of course, we want to love and honor our spouse, right? And our children and our parents. But, 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 but we really have gotten to a place where we are, and it's just something we need to confess, more engrossed in our wives, our spouses, our parents, and certainly our children than we are in Jesus. What does he mean? What I mean, brothers, is the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Okay, so again, of course, he's not telling you to get divorced, meaning your focus is so on Jesus, you're not engrossed. Your identity is 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 not in your wife, thinking that that the that eternity is going to be about your wife, right? Of course, we need to love our wives and husbands and be be honoring and supportive and, and all of those things, okay? And our children as well. Those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy if as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. So do you, again, do you see that? I mean, again, it's just the way we live in this world, the way we're using our time in this world. 31, those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Um, again, we, we want to have things, right? Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep because it's not yours to keep. Do we understand that that in this life of time, we own nothing? Remember Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'll, I'll depart. Every single thing you have in this world and I have is on loan from Jesus. We don't own it. We're not going to keep it. As long as we're in time, nothing is ours to keep. Literally, everything you have is on loan. Why? Because you and I are going to die. Okay, now here's the exciting thing. When we get to eternity, when we leave this life, we actually will be given things to own by Jesus and they really will be ours because we'll be able to keep them. Why? Because we'll never die again. Pretty big deal, right? Wow. So again, we want to live this life not engrossed in the things in this world, whether wives or children or parents or, or things or money, because you can't keep it. It's on loan, Scotty. Wow. Forgive us, Lord. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. So do not worry how much time we spend in worry and fear and concern. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom. <clears throat> And his righteousness <clears throat> and all these things will be given to you as well um, to, to say, to, to, to look at how much time we spend in fear and worry and concern over the past, concern over the future. Certainly, I'm very guilty of this. It's, it's, it's not only a useless way of using our time, it's, it's counterproductive. It's harmful to us. It is in certain ways sin. You know, and this is a hard one now, right? This is, we're, we're, we're now really high up there in, in what it means to, to really walk effectively as a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But we, we want to be in prayer. And Lord, I do ask you to forgive me for just the, how often I've used my time in worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Again, we just worry about the future. And what if this happens or this happens or this happens? 
verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We want to use our time as disciples of Jesus Christ, seeking first the kingdom of God, excuse me, the kingdom of God and the word of God and the son of God. We want to seek Jesus in everything. What is the will of Jesus or the heart of Jesus in anything, in any situation? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. What does that mean to seek first his righteousness? It means to seek right relationship with him first, okay? Then right thinking and right speaking and right living, right? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. First, that you have a right relationship with him, that you have received him as your savior. You're trusting and relying on him. You're made right with him. You've actually received his righteousness and salvation. And then that you have a lifestyle of taking the time and everything to think about what's right so you can do what's right simply because it's right as a disciple of Jesus. And if we'll do this, we'll use our time this way. Everything else, we won't have everything else. All those things we're worried about will just handle themselves. Wow. Help us, Lord Jesus. All right. Finishing up Colossians 4 verses 5 and 6. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders toward outsiders. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Again, there it is. Make the most of every opportunity. How are you using your time? Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Again, the time and the conversations we have with people, how often are we using that time as a disciple of Jesus and just thinking about Jesus, looking for a way to bring Jesus into every opportunity, right? Again, in our own lives, in our own work, in our own families, and when we're out and about. Wow. All right, and finally, Galatians 6, 9 and 10, and we'll end here. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. So again, don't become weary as disciples of Jesus Christ. And certainly this scripture is going to make its way into other, the next teachings. But as far as using our time, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So using your time just consistently, you know, we want to be looking for opportunities to bring Jesus and to do good in Jesus. Obviously, again, this has nothing to do with going to heaven or being saved, but a disciple of Jesus Christ wants to, to always do good. They want to please Jesus. I want to please Jesus. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, as we have opportunity, as the, as the opportunity in time presents itself, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. We want to do good to everyone, but especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your favor. We thank you, Father, that you've given us our time. We thank you, Father, that we we are stewards of the time you've given us. Father, Father, we proclaim that our time is not our own. Our time belongs to you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, I ask you now to lead us, to guide us in how we use our time. Help us, Holy Spirit, convict us that we would use our time more and more and more in the cause of Jesus Christ our Lord, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ our Lord, in seeking first 
the kingdom of Jesus and his righteousness, that everything else would take and handle itself, Lord, take care of itself and handle itself. Holy Spirit, we ask you as we go now to give us, again, eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear him, hearts that we might comprehend and understand. And we ask you to convict us, Holy Spirit, on the use of our time and how we're using our time and help us and drive us to more consistently use our time for Jesus and in Jesus and to Jesus and through Jesus. We thank you and praise you today, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.